UFC 264 is in the books, but the rivalry may never end. And this weekend ahead of us, there's four major MMA events going on and some grappling to talk about. Welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. Hi, I'm Micah Frankel. Let's get right to it. Talk about UFC 264, the main event, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, the rubber match. Who would walk away victorious from the trilogy? And we start off with a much more aggressive Conor McGregor than we saw in the first fight. Comes out kicking, comes out to make a statement, and coming out to be aggressive to get that early knockout like he did in their first meeting. Poirier is able to weather the storm and then turns it into his fight with some big combinations, pushing Connor back. Connor's the one that initiates the clinch. You have Poirier with the takedown, the help of Connor McGregor jumping for a guillotine. Poirier is able to escape the trouble, then starts to land the big ground and pound. You did see some Connor elbows, but some much more damaging elbows from the top position in guard from Poirier. You saw them get back to the feet. I'm going to get a little more detailed on some of this in a moment. And then you saw Conor McGregor kick. They throw matching punches. And Conor McGregor's foot does this stanky leg rolling up on him. And there's this horrible break. We have a referee doctor stoppage after the first round. The winner of the trilogy, 2-1. to one. It's Dustin Poirier walking away victorious second time in a row. History would kind of tell us that. Eight of the 12 UFC trilogies, the guy that's won the second fight, has went on to win the third fight. But how did this all happen? We went through a real quick recap right there, but there's a lot to digest. A couple moments that I ran over very quickly. As Conor McGregor early on is opening up with his kicks, you do see a moment where Dustin Poirier lifts up his right leg just slightly. And the Conor McGregor left leg, primarily that foot and ankle that would later be compromised, looks to connect with the hard bone that is Dustin Poirier's right knee. That's the first time it looks like the leg could possibly be compromised. Don't want to skip over and we'll go in chronological order. As they're on the ground, we can't overlook this. How the fight got back to the feet in the closing seconds of that final of that first round, it was a tendency of Conor McGregor's. How does he get back to his feet? By cheating. You can clearly see a Conor McGregor, as Poirier was explaining later, was grabbing inside of the glove of Poirier. So as Conor McGregor is throwing those up kicks, he's pulling Poirier back into them, pulling down on the glove. Conor McGregor, who did that also against Habib Nurmagomedov, he gets back to his feet. Now, the leg break doesn't happen immediately. You'll remember, and there are people talking about it now across social media. I'm not the one that found this. Many people have pointed this out. Conor McGregor threw a left teep kick that looks to hit the right elbow of Dustin Poirier. So it looks like another check, another block weakening that bone. It's after that block that McGregor and Poirier exchange those left hands and we see the injury occur. I don't remember 
it being said after Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva too, when Anderson Silva broke his leg, that there was any question who the better fighter was. There was just, let's move past it. I can't remember hearing of, we need to run back Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, after seeing how Chris Weidman broke his leg. It's kind of been decided that checks and blocking effective defense, when an injury occurs, you can attribute that to the defensive fighter, and that is a plus, making what they did go from defense to offense. To think that we don't know who the better fighter was, or who is the more skilled mixed martial artist at this point between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, I find it's a little hard to swallow. This third fight lasted longer than the first fight, and was only two minutes short of the second fight. It again ends by TKO. There was an injury caused, but it was caused by skillful defense. Also, from the ground and pound, and from the damage done by Dustin Poirier, two of the three judges returned us a 10-8 score for that first round. It would look logical to move past this saga. It's now automatic that Dustin Poirier will be fighting Charles Oliveira for the UFC lightweight title. But with Conor McGregor being the biggest draw in the industry, and the loss being attributed to an injury, Dana White and the UFC look more than ready to call Conor McGregor the number one contender, and say Dustin Poirier does get past Charles Oliveira, his first challenger, coming off of back-to-back losses, and I think three in a row in MMA, or three of his last four, excuse me, is Conor McGregor. Because he's still a huge draw. He's still captivating to an audience. But should he be? Uh, following the loss, we laying there. As Joe Rogan is going to his post-fight interview with Dustin Poirier, there is now a track going around social media where you can hear some pretty serious threats being made by Conor McGregor to Dustin Poirier and his family that are crossing over the line of fight hyping. When... When Conor McGregor is approached and interviewed subsequently by Joe Rogan, don't know why you would interview a guy with a broken leg, but obviously it's Conor McGregor, special circumstances. Some of his utterings to me sound like the mad ramblings of a king who is watching his empire crumble around him, thinking how could this be happening, never realizing that the end was near. It was not a good look for Conor McGregor. It has crossed the line. His antics and shenanigans are no longer entertaining. And I'm seriously wondering about the man's sanity to a point if he had a breaking moment a breaking moment in that night. Threatening a man's family? You talked about that you were both much more mature heading into the second fight. A guy desperately trying to gain his swag back that he once had went into just shenanigans trying to cause altercations at press conferences. And let's all commend Dana White for his hand fighting at the weigh-ins. The Conor McGregor show is just a guy going through his greatest hits. And now we're seeing an evolution to possibly one of the greatest lightweights of all time from Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Yes, he did absorb some kicks early who weathered the storm, but then we saw domination again, a 10-8 round from Poirier. One of the hardest hitters at 155 pounds. Great wrestling. Can't wait to see what the matchup against Charles Bronx Oliveira is going to look like. It was a great night for Dustin Poirier. In the co-main event, we saw Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson. 
and it was Gilbert Burns getting takedowns in each of the three rounds, being able to switch up his tactics, staying outside, and then getting on the inside, big hooks, his check hook, his overhand, switching up tactics, getting his takedowns, and being able to wear down Wonderboy Thompson. A great second round for Wonderboy, who was able to get his sidekicks going and found a great body attack. Obviously looking like a 29-28 was going to be across the scorecards. In the final 30 seconds of the fight, you saw Wonderboy in a comparable position, and Gilbert Burns starts to rain down this plethora of hammer fists that are bludgeoning Thompson in the back of the head. Maybe it's a little bit crazy, but when you think about the stoppage earlier on the main card, Chris Montino was just getting hit with the kitchen sink on short notice against Sean O'Malley. 30 seconds left in the round. Everybody thought a feel-good story would have been if Montini would have made it all the way to the decision. That's not up to the ref. He's going to stop the fight in the appropriate moment. In that same thinking, the ref probably should have stopped Burns versus Thompson and done the right thing and deducted a point from Gilbert Burns for the 8-10 to 10 illegal shots to the back of the head that he landed. The foul occurred, it was multiple fouls, that's obviously deserving of a point deduction, and I know, that is all up to the referee, it's just my feeling, it should have happened, Gilbert Burns definitely got away with one, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, a crazy blatant flagrant foul that's just overlooked by the refs, avoided the draw and gets to walk away with a victory that he really well did earn, great call out, calling out Jorge Masvidal, that's a big money call out. Greg Hardy versus Taya Tuivasa. It went down like this. Hardy was able to sting to Ivasa, but then came running in wildly, left himself exposed, turned on a bad angle, angle, and then you saw to Ivasa be wide open to right hand, and the left hand comes and connects. A brutal knockout and a huge win for the Australian. Mentioned Son O'Malley. Irene Aldana misses weight. She's able to clip. Yanakunaskaya apart on the feet, busts up the nose, disengages from the clinch, gets it to the ground when she wants to, and then some sniper light ground and pound to get the finish. Hopefully Aldana can nip the weight in the bud, and then Mabel should be a real contender at 135. Max Griffin versus Carlos Condit. First round, you saw Griffin do stellar work with his leg kicks. Carlos Condit fought back in the second finding his range, landing his accommodations. In the third round, though, it went back in favor of Griffin, who was able to get the takedown, get the top tie, and win the unanimous decision. Ilya Tapuria has got to be on the top of everybody's list as a featherweight to now have an eye on his three straight wins inside of the octagon. This one over Ryan Hall comes as a first round knockout. Hall trying to get the fight to the ground with an awkward roll but Tapuria is able to stifle it from side control, gets a seatbelt, and then pounds Hall into another dimension. At 185 is Decris Plusi getting a second round knockout of Trevin Giles, catching Giles with the hands down. Left hand missed, the right cross shore did not, and gets the knockout victory. And on the early prelims, the night started off with Zuglamalov getting a high elbow power guillotine over Santa Fe's Jerome Rivera, unfortunately. 
couple bits of news and information for you guys. August 21st, Sparta Sports and Entertainment up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, will be hosting a bare knuckle spectacular Lithway bare knuckle MMA and bare knuckle boxing all on one card. In August, we will be seeing the return of Dana White's Contender Series. Also made waves last week that the Nevada Athletic Commission is no longer testing for cannabis. For hardcore MMA fans, we got a pair of movies that may interest you. The rights to the Vanderlei Silva biography have been sold, so you can look forward to that hopefully the end of this year, beginning of next year. And if you look hard on the internet, you can currently find the trailer for the upcoming Nick Newell movie, the movie about his life story. You may have noticed the new Crypto.com logos on the UFC jerseys as the fighters were coming into the octagon at UFC 264. If you hadn't heard about the deal, Crypto.com has agreed to a $175 million 10-year deal with the UFC to promote their brand. So the UFC over the next 10 years is getting about $17.5 million each year from Crypto.com. Still, it appears zero of that will be going to the fighters. And in a couple of news, a couple of pieces of news on some UFC main events, the fight night on August 28th will be headlined by a top-ranked featherweight matchup Edson Barbosa against Giga Chikatse. That one is going to be a crazy striking affair. And then in a Brazilian battle, the UFC Fight Night on October 9th will be headlined by Marina Rodriguez versus Mackenzie Dern. And that's going to take me actually over to what's coming up this weekend. And we start with Friday night's doubleheader. Got Bellator 262 over on Showtime. The main event has the first defense of the women's flyweight title for Juliana Velasquez, who is 6-0 in Bellator with three finishes, defending against former kickboxing world champion Denise Kielholtz, who's on a four-fight win streak, and her last three have all come by first-round finishes. Kickboxer, who also has a black belt in judo. This one is going to be outstanding. The co-main event is heavyweights. Tyrell Fortune, back-to-back victories over Seth Solman and knocking out his bitter rival Jack May, will take on his biggest challenge, well-rounded striker UFC veteran, meathead Matt Mitrione. We know that one's going to be a banger. Opening up that main card, unbeaten Johnny Eblen takes on Travis Davis. This will be the biggest fight of Davis's career. Looks to get the biggest win. He's won four of his last five, and actually three straight wins overall, one of them in boxing. Eblen, again, unbeaten and has been ultra impressive. The last win over Daniel Madrid, a huge knockout. On the prelims, you have a heavyweight bout, UFC vet. Connie Marks will take on former Thai FC heavyweight champion Sid Soman. And you also have unbeaten Cody Law. The young Bantamweight is a prospect that Bellator is building slowly. High credential wrestler who is definitely someone to keep an eye on. I said it was the double header Friday night. You also have the first ever LFA in Brazil. LFA 111 is Friday night. 
available on UFC Fight Pass. The main event is Hangel Desa, who's 10 and 1, against Ismail Bonfim, who is 14 and 3. Desa is on a six fight win streak, four of them by first round knockout. His last win was by slam. Then his opponent, Bonfim, eight fight win streak, has had 11 fights canceled during that eight fight win streak so who knows where the guy would be if he could just get somebody to fight him his last three wins they're first round knockout first round knockout second round kimura dangerous finisher co-main event it's bantamweights ari frost who's 10 and 2 a five fight win streak and three rear naked chokes in that span takes on marcos breno breno 13 and 2 and has won eight of his last nine coming off a knockout of UFC vet Leonardo de Silva. Then Saturday, you have the UFC. It's UFC Fight Night, Makachev versus Moises. It's a top 15 lightweight matchup. Makachev comes in with the number nine. Well, Moises is your number 14, 155er Makachev. 19-1, the Habib Nurmagomedov, the Sightful, the Relentless Wrestler. Possibly a better striker, a more willing and creative striker than Habib. A bit of a different style, but still that same just mauling, relentless effort. He's going to be taking on Tiago Moises, as I mentioned, who's on a three-fight win streak. Those last three wins, he submitted Michael Johnson, and it's decision wins over Bobby Green. We know how slick Bobby Green is, how tough he is to take down, how smooth his defense is, and also the young dynamic Alexander Hernandez. Moises has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and has grown and developed his striking throughout his MMA career. If there's anybody that's going to give Makachev a pause to take him to the ground, it's going to be Moises. Expect this one to be five rounds of fun. And in the co-main event, it's the return of the former women's bantamweight champion, Misha Tate. Nearly five years after the last time we saw her in the octagon, Misha returns to take on Marion Renault. Renault has been ranked in the top ten. Great Muay Thai. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background, but she has lost four in a row. This is really Misha Tate testing. Does she want to give this an extra run? Does she have the effort in her? The feature fight, that's going to be at 155, and we get to see Poland's top lightweight, Matthews Gamrat, who's 18-1. He lost a split decision in his octagon debut, and now he's coming off of a knockout win over Scott Holtzman. He's going to be taking on Jeremy Stevens, the little heathen, mean, aggressive, sprawling brawl, huge power in every strike he throws. Of course, that one has banger written all over it. On the prelims, on your feature prelim, Daniel Rodriguez, big power in his hands and tremendous chokes, welcomes in Preston Parsons, who comes in on short notice. Just this week, getting the fight, he has a four-fight win streak, the last three, all by submission. Also on those prelims, you have Amanda Lemoyche against Monstretta Ruiz, that one is going to be incredible at 155 pounds. Lemoyche 
three fight win streak and absolutely dominated Livia Souza, the former Invicta champion, in her last outing. And Ruiz, on short notice, showed her heart and her grappling ability, outworking Cheyenne Bays to get her debut victory. We also will see, for the second time in his octagon career, the baby brother of the former flyweight champion, figures, uh, Francisco Figueiredo, takes on Malcolm Gordon. Somebody's going to get knocked out in that one. And then on Sunday, you have Chow Sutton's Submission Underground. Tons of incredible bouts scheduled for that one. Pedro Marino versus Andy Varela in the main event, not to mention UFC and Bellator vet Jeremy Kennedy will be on that one. And also Sunday, we return to Brazil for Legacy Fighting Alliance 112. Yes, it is a doubleheader weekend for LFA in Brazil and for LFA 112. They're kicking it old school. It's going to be a one-night tournament to crown a welterweight champion. Oh, yeah. So early in the night on the preliminary cards, you have, and I'm probably going to mess these names up. I am so sorry about the Portuguese not being on. Erin, Carlos, and Wendell Gaimo. That's one alternate bout. The other one is Junior Marquez versus Camilo Antino. Those will be your two alternate welterweight bouts. And then when we get on up to the main card, it's expected that Gabriel Bonfimo, 10-0, will face Brenner Alberth, 8-0. That winner goes on to the finals. All things hopefully going right to meet the winner of Diego Diaz versus Carlos Lea. And hopefully right there, one night, four guys down to two, and then a new welterweight champion will be crowned. Not to mention, you also have on that card, Carlos Augusto de Silva versus Otto Rodriguez as the co-main event. And in a battle of unbeatens at flyweight, Rafael Ramos versus Felipe Estevez. And if I forgot to mention it, also on that LFA 111 card, just on the main card, there's five unbeaten fighters and three more fighters with just a singular loss. This LFA 112 main card, you have four fighters. You have four fighters with unbeaten records and four more with just a single loss. So the best prospects that Brazil has to offer will be on display this weekend. So there's tons of great action. Bellator, UFC, and two nights of LFA. I appreciate you guys watching the show, and I'll appreciate you even more if you can visit cageminds.com. Also, hit like, subscribe, share this video, and keep up with us on social media. On Facebook, it's at it's Cage Minds Combat Sports News. On Instagram, at cageminds underscore CSN. And on Twitter, at cageminds MMA. Again, thanks for watching.